This evening we consider The Lord Reigneth, that's the title of my sermon, The Lord Reigneth. We're looking at Psalm 97, which is a song of praise that for the most part sets forth the sovereignty of Jehovah God. The last three verses address those who love the Lord. In other words, those verses address all of you who are savingly united to the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed assurances are given to you concerning your salvation and for your part you are to rejoice in the Lord. It's not given to us who wrote Psalm 97, although the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, ascribes that psalm to David. One thing is for sure, and that is that the focus is not fixed on the the inspired writer, whoever he was, but on the Lord. Right from the first verse where you see it's written, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. It doesn't really matter, does it, who the psalmist is here. The focus is on Jehovah God. So first of all, the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. In Psalm 2, we're told that the nations are in rebellion, that the rulers take counsel against the Lord, against his Christ. This is something that is very observable and very obvious when you consider the world's hatred of the Lord Jesus Christ seen in its hostility towards the church. Ultimately, that hostility and that hatred is against Jesus. As I keep reminding you, we need to remember who the God of this world is, the devil. Even so, the Lord reigneth. And this is something that David, who was perhaps the greatest of all the earthly kings, he emphasised when he said in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, lovely verses of scripture this, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, And thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honour come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. That's the words of King David there. The fact that the Lord reigns is something to greatly rejoice over. And those who belong to Jesus, they do rejoice. People scattered throughout the earth, they rejoice because the Lord is King and he reigns over all things. So we read there, the Lord, in verse 1 again, the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. And when I read that, I just think of the Lord's people 
wherever they might be scattered across this world and they rejoice and they are glad. Verse 1 is, a, is very broad in its application and it takes us way beyond the old covenant people of God to a multitude who rejoice in the God of their salvation. Even though it cannot be said with absolute certainty that David wrote this psalm, what can be said is that it speaks of King David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the King of Kings and he has a kingdom which is an everlasting kingdom. The Lord reigneth, the Lord Jesus Christ, he reigns in heaven above, working all things out for the good of his church. I like Augustine's comment on verse 1. He said, He who stood before the judge, he who received the blows, he who was scourged, he who was spat upon, he who was crowned with thorns, he who was struck with fists, he who hung upon the cross, he who, as he hung upon the wood, was mocked, he who died upon the cross, he who was pierced with the spear, he who was buried, himself arose from the dead. The Lord reigneth. Let kingdoms rage as much as they can. What can they do to the King of kingdoms, the Lord of kings, the creator of the world? See, I'm glad I'm not the only one who sees verse 1 there and I see the Lord Jesus Christ seated upon his heavenly throne. I trust you do as well, all of you who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you rejoice when you read verse 1, that it speaks of the God of your salvation. In a world that is in rebellion against the Lord, helpless and hopeless sinners are nevertheless being delivered from the power of darkness and they are being transferred into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and they rejoice and they are glad. That includes you, dear Christian. Your joy, your gladness are in the Lord who has forgiven you all your sins and who has delivered your soul from hell's destruction. That's got to be worth rejoicing about. With one voice, you and all the other saints scattered across the world join the heavenly chorus saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. As we bow down before him and we worship and adore him, King Jesus Secondly, we have a warning about idolatry. We'll have a look at verses 6 through to 9 again. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad. And the daughters of Judah rejoiced 
because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. The heavens declared the righteousness of a holy and sin-hating God in Noah's time. When God looked down upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. On that occasion, the whole of mankind perished in a flood, apart from Noah and his family. They were spared when God shut them into the ark. But during Noah's time, we see God's righteous judgment upon the earth. Also, divine judgment came when the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Those divine judgments, Noah's time and Sodom and Gomorrah, we read about them in the Old Testament, they really did happen. Historical fact, they happened. And they all point to the day when King Jesus will come again in judgment. We looked at it this morning, didn't we? With those past displays of God's displeasure and judgments, and with God's judgment upon the nations of the world, even now we see judgment upon the earth, even in our time. How utterly foolish it would be for anyone, any of you, to commit idolatry by worshipping created things instead of worshipping the Creator. As Bishop Ryle said, Idolatry is a worship in which the honour due to God in Trinity and to him only is given to some of his creatures or to some invention of his creatures. An idol in its reality is in reality anything or anyone that receives a person's devotion other than the Lord. The bent of human nature is toward the idolatrous. Idolatry is not simply reserved for the African or South American jungles. It is found in the towns and cities of our nation. For when when men fail to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ over their lives, they are knowingly or unknowingly acknowledging another Lord. They are exchanging the truth of God for a lie and worshipping and serving the creature rather than the Creator, through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's a lot of idolatry in the world, isn't it? Thirdly, the Lord reigns in righteousness and in judgment. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 97 and verse 6. Clouds and darkness are round about Him, Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. Verse 6, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory.
we can probably all associate certain earthly rulers with what? With being righteous. We see the glory of our earthly rulers. Not quite, do we? We tend to associate certain earthly rulers with lies, dishonest practices. How about corruption, cruelty, greed, despotism and injustice? To varying degrees, even the very best of our leaders will inevitably be guilty of making bad decisions and of exercising poor judgment. Because, like the rest of us, they are sinners and they are idolaters. I say the rest of us, I include all of us, even the Christians in here. I'm sure there's not a Christian in here who doesn't perhaps desire things more than he or she ought to. Everything that they and we think and say and do is influenced and corrupted by sin. But that can never be said about the Lord. About 4,000 years ago when the Lord was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin was very grievous, Abraham drew near to the Lord and said, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That was a question, shall, that was a question that Abraham put to the Lord. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer to that one must surely be, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. So yes, the judge of all the earth shall do right. Addressing his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as God, God the Father has said to him, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, have anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. That's Jesus, the Son of God there. He, the scepter of his kingdom is a righteous scepter and his is an everlasting kingdom. And God have anointed him with oil, with the oil of gladness above his fellows. Who are his fellows, I wonder? Christians. Those who are made fit for heaven through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, washed in his blood, clothed in his righteousness. The perfect righteousness of King Jesus. God has committed all judgment to his righteous son and a day has been appointed when, again, as we saw this morning, it's something that I'm obviously thinking about at the moment, A day has been appointed when Jesus will come again, no longer as the sacrificial lamb of God, but as the judge of the living and the dead. He will come again. 
And as was considered this morning, the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, the voice of the Son of God, and shall come forth. And they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There will be no miscarriage of justice when Jesus comes as judge of all the earth. There will be no poor or questionable judgments, no plea bargainings. His judgments will be in accordance with God's holy and righteous laws, which place upon us a duty to love God with our entire being and to love our neighbour as ourselves. That certainly rules me out, loving God with my entire being. And I suspect it rules us, well I know it rules all of us out. I don't suspect it, I know it. For there is none righteous, no not one. All have sinned, all come short of the glory of God. So, that's a The problem is that not one of us loves our neighbour as ourselves. Not one of us loves God as we ought to. Only Jesus has perfectly fulfilled the righteous demands of God's laws of love. The Bible tells us that the soul that sins shall die. Consequently, when the Lord Jesus Christ, King Jesus, comes in judgment. He will say to all of you whose sins have not been taken away by him, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There is, however, good news for all of you who truly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you at the cross. In fact, it's not just good news, is it? It's the very best news that anyone could ever hear. When Jesus comes in judgment, he will deliver a righteous judgment when he says to you, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is what he will say to you, all of you who are trusting in him as your saviour from sin, all of you who are clothed in his righteousness. Even now all your sins are forgiven, including your idolatries, most certainly your past idolatries from before you became a Christian. What about your present idolatries and your future idolatries? And His sinlessness is credited to your account. That perfectly sinless life, that sinlessly perfect life, is credited to your account. How wonderful that is. Last of all, as was mentioned in the beginning, the psalmist finishes with the words, with words of great encouragement to God's people. Look at verses 10 through to 12. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil, 
He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. By the grace of God, there's so many, the, the, the adjectives in there can only be ascribed to those who are in Christ, trusting in him. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil, he preserveth the souls of his saints. Who are his saints? Those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have are sanctified, being made holy by the blood of Jesus. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. And we're safe in the hand of Jesus and in the hand of his Father. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous. That's you, dear Christian. Again, you're righteous. Righteous with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been declared righteous from the moment you first believed in Jesus as your saviour from sin. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. The Holy One of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ. In these final few verses, those of you who belong to the Lord are being addressed. No one else is, just the Lord's people. You are people who abhor evil, especially the evil that is within yourselves. By the grace of God, your joy is found in your great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has forgiven you all your sins. And again, he has delivered your soul from destruction. You are forever safe and secure in the hand of the righteous judge, whose everlasting kingdom you have been translated into. Therefore, dear Christian, you have every reason to rejoice in the Lord and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Amen.